Hey guys, it's Sam Roberts. Thank you for checking out the podcast, episode 401. While you're here, could you do me a favor? If you want to support the show, you can do it for free. Number one, just subscribe and download the show every single week. I put a lot of work into it. I want you to be able to enjoy it every single week. If you're listening on Spotify and you got a second, you can go ahead and leave us a five-star rating. If you're listening on Apple, not only can you leave us a five-star rating, but you can leave us a real nice review and you can go to youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. Subscribe to that channel for free and get video content from this podcast every week. Uh, If you want even more content and you want to uh, uh, pay it forward a little bit, you can become a Not Sam Shill over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. We do a bonus episode every week. We do Zoom calls before pay-per-views. We did one before Forbidden Door. Uh, everything, all the stuff I do here in the studio is broadcast live for the Not Sam Shills at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. So go, sign up, enjoy, or just listen to today's show. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, what would happen if the Forbidden Door, the real Forbidden Door, actually opened. Today, I put together the ultimate WWE versus AEW pay-per-view. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, hey, happy Monday. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. What a time. What a time to be a wrestling fan. I can only hope that we get another appearance from Mr. McMahon tonight on Raw. Of course, at the time this drops, it's Monday morning, so we don't know what happens uh, on Raw this week just yet. We've got a, a weird Mr. McMahon appearance on Friday Night SmackDown, then another weird one on Raw. I guess we didn't get one this week on SmackDown. I guess if we were going to be a continuation, we would have gotten one on Friday. It would have been great if he just came to the ring with the Viking Raiders, like in the Viking paint. Like, and there's Mr. McMahon and the Viking Raiders. I don't know. I guess, because I, I, you know, we got John Cena returning. I thought it would have been funny to just have Mr. McMahon come out and go, ladies and gentlemen, John Cena. And here comes John Cena. I thought it'd be great, but I guess the uh, random appearances of Mr. McMahon has concluded And the new, not-so-random appearances of John Cena will commence uh, tonight. If you're listening to this when it comes out, is when John Cena uh, returns to Monday Night Raw to celebrate his 20th anniversary in the WWE. Uh, The new clothing line has already come out. The t-shirt, hat, wristbands, towel, sunglasses, shoes, socks, jorts, whatever you need. They've got it all. Uh, he's going uh, back to black. He's wearing uh, like black and white with the uh, with a Nintendo eight bit illustration to kind of celebrate twenty years of being John Cena. I mean, I guess he's been John Cena for more like forty years, but twenty years of being John Cena with us, which I mean, you know, I didn't know him for his first. 20 whatever years so the yeah the, the last 20 years is what i'll celebrate i'm sure the first 20 were great too but um look i don't think at any point john cena was coming back for one appearance on monday night raw it's possible 
It's possible that it'll come out on Raw and that'll be it, but I doubt it. And it's not even because of the merchandise, because even if John Cena was only coming back for one show, they would still put out an entire merchandise line dedicated to him because it would sell. I mean, why not? Um, I just don't, I don't see it. I, I don't see John Cena as that guy. He's been promoted for like three or four weeks now. You know, I, I think we're in store for another summer of Cena. The live events have picked up a lot. I just, I don't see WWE adding to their live event calendar while losing Roman Reigns at many of these live events if there was not an equal or bigger attraction being added to make up for it. I, it just doesn't make sense business-wise to me. And especially now, I, I would imagine that they were like, well, we'll have Cody as our top star, and then we'll also have Cena. Now, without Cody, it's like, yeah, uh, I would I would guess that you're probably going to end up seeing Edge on more shows than you would have. I would guess that as we head towards SummerSlam, on some of the bigger towns, you might see a Brock Lesnar appearance or two. It's not unheard of. But I think John Cena will go on another one of his summer loops. I fully believe because at the time this podcast drops, we're what, five days out from Money in the Bank? Money in the Bank is on Saturday. I fully believe that on Raw, and I'm recording this before Raw comes out, you might be listening after it's already happened, but I fully believe that John Cena will announce his participation in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Um, You know, because when you look at it, it's like if we're not having a Roman Reigns championship match at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, I would have to imagine that the men's Money in the Bank match is the headliner. That's the main event match. The women's Money in the Bank match is stacked for sure. But I just think that that Roman has elevated that men's world championship even higher, in my opinion, than it was before, just in the sense that nobody's beaten him for it. So whoever takes it from Roman Reigns is a huge, huge deal. And I think that that adds to the 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 drawing power of the men's Money in the Bank match itself. Sami Zayn got added this week. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus got confirmed. Seth Rollins is in it. Amos is in it. Uh, it's a star-studded match for sure. Do we have one open slot or two open slots? Let me check right now because I'm not 100% sure. I know we have at least one open slot in the men's uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. If it's two... Then I've got myself a theory on on who the two will be. If it's one, okay, so that's one, two, three, four, five announced, which would mean that there are two because it's a seven man ladder match. So it would mean theoretically there are two spots that haven't been filled. I believe those two spots will be filled. I think they will find a way to get Riddle in this match because I think the key for this year's Money in the Bank match is you're going to have multiple participants where it seems like a no-brainer that they would win. If you've got multiple people where it's like, yeah, it just makes too much sense. They have to win. Now you've got something very, very interesting happening. You know, I think Sammy probably not going to win, but his connection with the bloodline is going to make it more compelling. I would imagine that Sammy will not win the Money in the Bank ladder match, and and the fact that he did not protect the briefcase is going to make his life very, very difficult with the wise man Paul Heyman, the Usos, and Roman Reigns. I don't think almost will win because I just, I don't 
think that he would cash in successfully. I don't think it's time for him to be the champion. I just don't think it would make sense at any level. I don't think Sheamus will win. He has won before. Stranger things have happened, but I don't see it. Drew McIntyre obviously has a clear path to win. Drew has said that he wants to face Roman Reigns at that UK pay-per-view in September. He does not have that match booked. He wants it. If he wins the Money in the Bank ladder match, he gets it, right? So that's the clear-cut path. We already made a big deal about the fact that Roman and Brock at SummerSlam, somebody could cash in at the end of that match because both participants would be so worn out. Even the winner would be wrecked, and they would be very, very vulnerable. That point was made very, very clear on SmackDown. Who, who would have the audacity to get involved in a Brock Lesnar-Roman Reigns championship match to cash in their Money in the Bank briefcase? Well, of course, Seth freaking Rollins. Everybody looking for that repeat. Everybody looking for Seth Rollins. I personally think that Seth Rollins would be a great pick to finally get the title from Roman Reigns. Uh, right now, he's at an all-time high, I think, and I, I, I and, and just could do really, really well with it, right? So already you've got Seth and Drew, where it makes perfect sense for either one of those two to win. I think the key is going to be adding two more members to this match where it makes perfect sense for them to win. I think Riddle gets into the match. And the story for Riddle getting into the match is he has to win this. Roman has said that he doesn't get another opportunity at the title as long as he's the champion. Unless Riddle has that briefcase. And then maybe it supersedes Roman's contract. If Riddle has the briefcase, maybe there's nothing that the bloodline can do to keep Riddle away from that championship. So now all of a sudden Riddle's involved and you're like, well, of course Riddle should win this match. And you've got your six. Who's the seventh man to join the Money in the Bank ladder match? I wholeheartedly believe that on Monday Night Raw this week, John Cena will announce that not only is he happy to see the WWE Universe once again, but that he will be entering the Money in the Bank ladder match. I believe that John Cena will absolutely be in this Money in the Bank ladder match uh, on Saturday. And I think there's a there's a fabulous chance that he will win. You know, you, it's going to be interesting because what are you going to do? What are you going to do with Cena in the meantime? You know, I think a Cena-Roman match would be great, but when are you going to do it? Are you going to do Cena versus Roman at the UK pay-per-view? Because Roman's already got his SummerSlam match. I mean, I get, no, because, yeah, you've you've got nothing between SummerSlam and the UK pay-per-view. You've got, I think it's Extreme Rules in October, but are you going to have Cena come in and cash in between Roman and Brock? Possibly. You know, I think Cena's in this match, and I think I think if it's not Riddle, then maybe Austin Theory is in this match. I think that this match, while Cena would be a fabulous choice, and it would be great to see Cena take the title from Roman, I think that more likely this match will set up the Austin Theory-John Cena rivalry, because what else? You're either going to do, I think, Cena versus Austin Theory or Cena versus Seth Rollins at SummerSlam. So I feel like this is a good opportunity to set up Austin Theory. And I feel like, you know, the deal would be that Austin Theory is not in this match, but he runs out and he costs John Cena the match. And it's like, why did you do that? Because I want you, Cena, 
I want my destiny fulfilled type of thing. Either way, I absolutely think that Cena is in this match. But today I wanted to do something special because, you know, it's a big, big night in wrestling last night. AEW presenting uh, with New Japan Pro Wrestling, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. AEW coined the phrase Forbidden Door when it started working with Impact Wrestling, not only acknowledging that promotion on their television, but exchanging superstars, having Tony Khan show up on Impact, having the Good Brothers on on, uh, Dynamite, having Kenny Omega headline an Impact pay-per-view, you know, the whole back-and-forth relationship. I think from the beginning of AEW, because if you look at the roots of AEW, well, yeah, a lot of it had to do with the all-in pay-per-view, I think a lot of it also had to do with how hot New Japan pro wrestling had become four years ago or whatever it was. And I think that as much as it had to do with Cody and the Bucks and Kenny and what they were doing, I think it also had a lot to do with what Jericho had done in New Japan and just how he had been a part of New Japan getting super, super hot. So I think since the beginning of AEW, Fans have been waiting for uh, a New Japan crossover, and it just never happened. Um, Finally did on pay-per-view, AEW New Japan. And AEW was marred, certainly, with a lot of unfortunate injuries and circumstances, but still managed to put together an incredible, incredible card. But I thought to myself, is this the forbidden door? To an extent, but we've seen a lot of New Japan guys travel over to the States, even in AEW. We've seen Minoru Suzuki in AEW. We've seen some of these superstars. We've seen some of the AEW superstars go to New Japan. You're, you're, you're John Moxley's, people like that. I think that the, the real forbidden door is the door between WWE and AEW. That's the door. And I thought, what if... Let's say in September, the beginning of September. What if instead of doing the UK pay-per-view, we got to see a real Forbidden Door pay-per-view? You know, I'm one of the presenters of the ultimate show on Peacock. If you haven't seen it yet, myself and Matt Camp and Ryan Popola and Kaz, we get together and we fantasy book WWE pay-per-views and make the ultimate show we've done is our second season of it. We just did, uh, right before Hell in a Cell, we did the ultimate Hell in a Cell, generational supremacy. This weekend, on, I don't know when it'll air, maybe Friday, I don't know when it'll air because Money in the Bank is on Saturday, but before Money in the Bank, the ultimate Money in the Bank 2 will be on Peacock, and they probably won't do this ultimate forbidden door on Peacock. So I thought, why not bring a version of the ultimate show to not Sam wrestling. And I'm going to present to you guys the ultimate forbidden door WWE versus AEW. Now for me, I tried to keep this very much in the theme of, of everything is one side versus the other side. The beauty of fantasy booking is I don't have to worry about injuries. I don't have to worry about politics. I don't have to worry about storylines going forward. I don't have to worry about egos. I don't have to worry about anything. This is as if I'm treating this 
as if both Tony Khan and Vince McMahon came to me and said, hey, Sam, you can have both of our rosters. Why don't you go ahead and put together your ultimate Forbidden Door pay-per-view? And I put the whole thing together, segments, the whole deal. Hey, guys, sorry for the interruption, but you might be missing your favorite shows because they're not available to stream in the U.S. We've all got our streaming service issues based on our country. And we don't have to live in that world. It's time to get a NordVPN. Yeah, you feel like you've watched everything on your favorite streaming service? With NordVPN, you can explore streaming catalogs from all over the world. You find your favorite anime without having to fly to Japan. With over 5,000 server options, you're never going to run out of new shows. Use my link, nordvpn.com slash notsam, and receive a huge discount on a two-year plan, plus one month free. We all love to use the internet. Your privacy is very important. I use the internet all the time. I go crazy trying to protect everything, trying to protect all your passwords, trying to make sure that nobody's tapping in when you're when you're going to your bank data or whatever. Our whole lives are online. You got to protect them. Without a VPN, your internet provider can see everything you do. Keep your information encrypted with NordVPN. You never have to worry about your IP or your location being tracked ever again. NordVPN's new threat protection feature keeps you safe from intrusive ads and malware. With threat protection, infected files are deleted before they even become a problem. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, there's no risk to giving NordVPN a try. If you don't love NordVPN's protection and international streaming options, They'll give you a full refund. Just check out my link, nordvpn.com slash notsam, and get your subscription started today. This is, for me, how the ultimate forbidden door, WWE versus AEW, would go. First of all, I thought about who's going to staff this thing, okay? Ring announcers, because everything's important. The field is going to be the most unique pay-per-view of all time. This is truly the pay-per-view that you never thought you would see. It's as close to what we wanted to happen during the Monday Night Wars as we'll ever get. We have the Invasion pay-per-view, but the Invasion pay-per-view was not the WCW versus WWE pay-per-view that we all dreamed of growing up in the Attitude Era. This is what if today we were doing this? What if they said, we're going to do this pay-per-view in 30 days Give me the card, and here's what the show would look like. Our ring announcers, we have two ring announcers going back and forth, match by match. Flip a coin to start, doesn't matter who does which. Both Mike Rome and Justin Roberts are on the show. Maybe match one, Mike Rome, match two, Justin Roberts, back and forth, and so on and so forth. We have one set of commentators for the main show. Every match on the main show is called by by our commentary broadcast booth, Michael Cole, Pat McAfee, and Excalibur. That is your three-man commentary booth for the ultimate forbidden door. And then backstage interviews, of course, got to be Uncle Tony. Tony Schiavone is there to do our backstage interviews. We've got a 30-minute pre-show. This is going to be about a four-hour pay-per-view. I think you would need four hours to do it right. So let's do a, a hot 30 pre-show. We don't need to have a ton of panel discussion, maybe a little bit here and there. Didn't even think about the panel, but 
we do have a match on the pre-show. This is just a little something to whet the appetite, and it may steal the show. First of all, your pre-show commentary team is good old JR and Corey Graves, because how great would a JR and Corey Graves commentary team be? Remember how pissed off JR used to get when Paul Heyman would just get under his skin? I guarantee you would have those moments between Corey Graves and JR. I love it. JR and Corey Graves on the call. The pre-show match is Sami Zayn versus Orange Cassidy. Sami Zayn versus Orange Cassidy is, uh, it's it's mainly a comedy match. You see instances, you know, of of Sami Zayn, and, and he almost acts as if he's unfamiliar with the Orange Cassidy character. You know, he feels disrespected by Orange Cassidy with his hands in his pockets and his sunglasses on, and he's in the ring, he's yelling, Get your hands out of your pockets. Get your hands out of your pockets. Come on, put them up, put them up. And he shoves him, and Orange Cassidy just stumbles back. And he goes, take your sunglasses off. Come on, put them up, put them up. And he shoves him. And Orange Cassidy just kind of stumbles back and then walks forward again. And yeah, and Sami Zayn's looking at him. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And he's almost laughing at him. Like, like, like Orange Cassidy has not figured out the damage that Sammy is going to do to him. And that's when, boom, here we go. We're winding up. Orange Cassidy out of nowhere. Move, 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 move. Sammy Zayn gets in a little offense, of course, but move, move, move. And eventually, through trickery, chicanery, outsmarting Sammy Zayn, Orange Cassidy gets the victory. Sammy Zayn is furious. Orange Cassidy doesn't. He's just shrugging it off. I mean, he's, seems like he would have been fine winning or losing. He doesn't even care. He won. He doesn't even care. Are you kidding me? Who is this guy? He's not like that. He said he was doing all kinds of stuff a minute ago. His hands are back in his pockets. Who wears acid wash? Sammy's furious. JR is happy. Corey Graves is a little, uh, well, he's underwhelmed by the whole thing. He's not thrilled that WWE has taken that big first L. Let's start the pay-per-view. Segment number one of the pay-per-view, it starts with a Hot, smoking hot tag team match. And this is the match that Michael Cole and Excalibur both point out will answer the question to many. And by the way, there are many people from both the WWE and the AEW roster that I did not get on this show that I wish I could. I'll give them shout outs right now. Uh, I wanted Sammy Guevara on the show. I wanted Keith Lee and Swerve on the show. I wanted FTR on the show. I wanted... uh, Corbin on the show, Corbin, uh, 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 Happy Corbin. I wanted Finn Balor on the show. They're not on the show, so just getting that out of the way right now. Segment one is the match that uh, that Cole and Excalibur both point out will answer the question to a lot of wrestling fans: Who is the number one tag team in the world right now? It is a battle of brothers. It is the Young Bucks versus the Usos, representing the bloodline, the Usos representing the elite, the Young Bucks. And this, I mean, the whole reason to do these Forbidden Door shows is to have dream matches. And this is starting off the show, hot, 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 the ultimate tag team dream match. It's just action, as as you can imagine. I don't have to tell you how this goes. It's about a 20-minute match. And there is not a stop for a breath at any point. I mean, 
Tope suicidas, planchas, dives, dives, and more dives. So much double team maneuvering, tag team specialty, everything you can possibly imagine. But the Usos do get that W back. The Usos are able to conquer the Young Bucks and they get that win, but they have this look in their eyes after they beat the Bucks where they know this match could have gone either way. They are surprised in a way. Kind of taken aback is more, is more because it's not cartoonish. They're kind of taken aback at how good the Bucks actually were. And you can see it all over the Usos' face. They know that they could have just as easily lost this match as they won. And the Bucks are a little disappointed, but, you know, they realize that on in that moment... The Usos were the better team in that moment, but it leaves us hungry for more. It leaves us going, man, I would love to see that match one more time. Oh, the New Day's not on this show either. I would love for the New Day to be on the show. I mean, if there was room, I would. I absolutely had FTR versus the New Day penciled in, but they're not on the show. Segment So segment one, 20 minutes, Young Bucks versus the Usos. Usos win. Segment two, Tony Schiavone is backstage, and he is interviewing Gunther. And Ludwig Kaiser. And there is just this sort of, uh, it's really good for the, the character of Gunther. As he holds that Intercontinental Championship, as, as Tony Schiavone is almost in awe, intimidated by this, this individual that he's never interacted with before. And, and Ludwig and Gunther are explaining that, that this has nothing to do with WWE or AEW. This is globally, globally. There is no man bigger. There is no man stronger. There is no man fiercer. There is no man more dangerous than Gunther. And that's when Wardlow walks in. And the fans go nuts. And he just says, no man. And Gunther and Wardlow just stare at each other. And that's all we get. Just a good old-fashioned stare down backstage Leave it on there for 10 seconds, 15 seconds. Ludwig Kaiser taps Gunther. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. And they, they am scray. They on delay. But we get this moment of what would it be? Can you imagine Gunther and Wardlow? Segment three, the first women's match of the night. Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, Becky Lynch, and Bianca Belair. A four corners match, a quadruple threat match. It's a fatal four way. No championships are necessarily on the line, but really these are four. We talked about the fact that the Young Bucks versus the Usos would answer who the best tag team in the world was. This in a lot of people's minds is going to give credence to the best women's wrestler on the face of the planet right now. And this is another one that's that's action heavy. You see a lot of moments of Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Not quite sure if they should be working together or against each other. They kind of they kind of go back on working together because they want to score the points for AEW, but realistically they don't like each other. Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair find themselves in the same situation. They realize that they are teaming up on Britt and Thunder but they don't like each other. 
And as the match goes on that way, and you're almost you're, you're not really seeing conflict between the WWE superstars or between the AEW superstars. It's still, you know, promotion versus promotion. At one point, Becky attacks Bianca when Bianca is prone. And you hear Becky yelling at her. This isn't about them versus us. This is about who's the best. Who's the best? And I'm the best. And we see, okay, and now, and then Britt Baker kind of hears that and she starts going after Thunder Rosa. And now we've got four individual women and they're all competing with each other, trying to figure out who is the number one women's wrestler on the planet. And they're going and they're going and they're going. Action, action, action. My line of thinking here is you have the opportunity to make somebody really a villain. And, and, and the way you make them a villain is by making them do something that you just don't want to see happen. And that's pinning Bianca Belair. Bianca Belair is, the I would think, the most beloved person in this match. Thunder Rosa, a close second. Actually, I'm going to take that back. Here's what's going to happen. Britt Baker wins this match by rolling up and pinning Thunder Rosa. And Becky and Bianca are like, are you kidding me? And Britt is just pointing at her head, pointing at her head. Too smart, too smart. See, Thunder Rosa didn't see it coming. Thunder Rosa is not thinking that Britt's going to pin somebody that's competing on the same team. So what we have here coming out of this is the bad blood between Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker continues. But technically, Britt Baker does get the big W in the fatal four-way match. And that's the first main roster, main card, non-pre-show victory for AEW. So we're one and one. And coming out of this match, a video package airs for the story that's been told on two different television shows over the last few weeks. And that's the Edge and Adam Cole story. See, Edge, Edge, talks about when he got back to WWE. And he talks about the fact that that when he got back to WWE, he looked around at all the potential and all the great matches that he could have. And as he's talking about this, you see clips of him facing Randy Orton and him facing Seth Rollins and him facing Roman Reigns. And he goes, he goes, and I had heard the legend of Adam Cole, baby. And Adam, you were at the top of my list. You were one of the top people that I wanted to have that match with. I don't know how long I'm going to be back in the WWE for, but while I'm here, I want to be able to say that I shared the squared circle with the young superstar that has the world talking, Adam Cole. And I got here and I went to Orlando and I looked at NXT in person way in the back. And you know what I saw? The reason that the whole world was talking about you is because you had them all fooled. Adam, you are not the second coming. You're not as good as I was when I was a tag team wrestler. There's no way you would have ever survived on this main roster. And the only reason that you're where you are today 
is because you couldn't cut it here. So Adam Cole, I'm showing up at the forbidden door for one reason and one reason only. I want to expose you. I want to show the world. I want to end the talk. Ever since I've been back, people haven't stopped talking about you. Even after I figured out you were a phony, people kept talking about you. The story that they should be talking about is the fact that Edge has done the impossible, is the fact that Edge, when his career was ended, came back to WWE and has had nothing but classics. But are they talking about that? No. You know what they are talking about? How Adam Cole didn't get a fair shake. How Adam Cole should have been a main eventing Monday Night Raw and SmackDown. Well, Adam Cole, I'm going to show the world exactly why you're not fit to do that. And then Adam Cole is on the other end. And he's saying, Edge, here's what I see when I see you. Somebody that should have left after one comeback match. You ever have you ever have somebody come out of retirement and go on that nostalgia tour and not know when to leave? Edge. The reason you don't see it with me is because you don't see it anymore. Edge. I haven't tricked anybody. Here's what happened. The industry passed you by. Every place that I have been to, I have been a world champion. And rest assured, I will be the AEW world champion. Edge, I accept your challenge. And I am coming to Forbidden Door to show you what real wrestling looks like today. And it has nothing to do with the stuff that you did way back when. Edge, you're one of the best to ever do it. But you're over the hill. It's over for you, Edge. And I'm going to end it for you at the Forbidden Door. And you see this all play out in the video package. And now it's time. It's Edge versus Adam Cole. And we see a classic out of these two. What we see is throughout the match, Edge can't believe what he's seeing. Throughout the match, Adam Cole keeps doing things that Edge didn't see coming. See, Edge went in thinking that he had Adam Cole's number. Edge went in thinking, I know what this guy's going to do. All of his matches are exactly the same. He's going to, the dumb, the flippy, flippy pile driver. I know everything that's coming. And he's not going to see anything coming. Adam Cole is going to have a surprise around every corner that Edge simply does not expect. Now, at the same time, there are going to be moments where, you know, midway through the match, five, seven minutes in, Edge starts catching him. And Adam Cole is going to start coming to this realization that nothing is past Edge by. You know, we're going to watch the story of this match is going to be how both were wrong. The first part of the match, act one of the match, is Adam Cole proving Edge wrong. And in that, he thinks that he's right. However, the act two is that, while yes, Edge didn't realize the skill of Adam Cole, act two of the match is Adam Cole has underestimated Edge. Adam Cole has not realized that Edge, like a fine wine, has only gotten better with age. He's getting better and better, and with every match, getting better and better and better. That's act two. Act three is where, okay, 
All pretenses are out. Now we've got it. Edge sees Adam Cole as a superstar. Adam Cole sees Edge as a relevant force in today's wrestling space. And now they're just going toe-to-toe. Two of the best in the world going at it. Edge ends up squeaking out the victory on this one. Edge beats Adam Cole. But as he as he as he gets up, he goes, Adam, he grabs the microphone. He goes, Adam, I got one thing to say. And he looks at him. Stand up. Stand up, Cole. Stand up. Cole stands up. He's got fire in his eyes. He's got, I got one thing to say to you. I was wrong. Thank you. And he walks out. Fans cheer. Adam Cole's music plays. Edge wins the match. But he acknowledges that that this is the Adam Cole match that he was waiting for since he first got to WWE. We move on to segment five on the show. It is our one, two, three, fourth match. The Battle of the Queens. Who is the one true queen in this industry? It's Charlotte Flair versus Jade Cargill. Now, Charlotte Flair has found herself in this place where she resents Jade Cargill. She resents that Jade walks around with the ego that she has. She resents that Jade walks around uh, 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 thinking that she is the, 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 the second coming, that she is the biggest thing in women's wrestling because she's simply following the path that Charlotte paved for her. And of course, Jade doesn't agree with that at all. Jade believes that she's taking what Charlotte did and, and turning it up to 11. Charlotte got it up to about six. That's what Jade says. And Jade says, and that's funny, because you are a six and I am an 11. Ooh, ooh. Stokely Hathaway accompanies Jade Cargill to the ring. Charlotte Flair is on her own, which is interesting. In this match, we see it play out. It's about a 10-minute match. It's not, we don't have to go 20 on this. Seven, seven to 10 minutes. Uh, Jade is the one with the tricks. You know, usually Charlotte is the dirtiest player in the game, but this time, this time it's Jade. Um, the match ends with Jade pulling brass knucks out of her tights the same way Ric Flair used to. And puts it on. Oh, no, you've got to be kidding me. Pat McAfee going, shades of the nature boy. Jade goes to punch Charlotte. Charlotte ducks it. As she ducks down, she grabs those legs of Jade Cargill. Puts her in the figure eight. Taps out Jade Cargill. Charlotte wins the match. We go right to segment six. Tony Schiavone is backstage with Darby Allen When the Miz walks in. And the Miz goes, excuse me, excuse me. What are you supposed to be? And Tony Schiavone goes, this is Darby Allen. He's one of my, and Darby goes, Tony, I can speak for myself. Miz, I'm not supposed to be anything. I'm myself. I'm Darby Allen. What are you supposed to be? Everybody goes, ooh, Miz looks right at him. He goes, what am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to be? I am a superstar. I walk like a superstar. I talk like a superstar. I dress like a superstar. 
I am on billboards. I am on Dancing with the Stars. And I... And he backs up. And he feels a chest on his back. And he goes, I... And Darby Allen goes, Miz, I know you think you're a star, but I hope you're ready to see stars. And Miz turns around and the camera zooms out and Sting, the icon Sting, is right there behind the Miz. And Miz goes, you? And he runs. Miz runs off the set. Darby Allen just has a cool, he's not smiling or laughing. He's just got a cool look on his face, nodding. And, and Sting just says something very energetic. Let's go, baby! Woo! Cups the mouth, and they go back to ringside. Because at ringside, we're hearing, Kevin Owens is in the ring. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special KO show. That's right, the KO show has come to the forbidden door. And Kevin Owens goes, the beautiful thing about the forbidden door is that it makes it so that there are so many more guests that I could invite here on the show. But you know, when people think about the the KO show, one of one of one of the most important memories that people have of that show is the show that we called the Festival of Friendship. Everybody goes, yeah! And Kevin Owen goes, and tonight at the Forbidden Door, it's all about rekindling friendships. And everybody goes, you gotta be kidding me. He goes, my guest on the Kevin Owen Show, please welcome... Chris Jericho. And here comes Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is Kevin Owens' guest on the KO show. Long-haired Chris Jericho is in the WWE, and it's Judas that's playing. Judas plays him down the aisle. Fans are singing along. I'm not going to sing it here. But Jericho comes to the ring, and he goes... uh, Kevin, it's great to see you. And they shake hands and they hug. <laughs> and uh and 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 Kevin goes, uh, Chris, it's great to see you. I I've I've actually heard uh you've got a brand new list for us tonight. And they're going over. They well, they go like uh they they you know, first they reflect, you know, they go over all their memories. Ah, we had great times together, didn't we? And they they talk about all the fun things that they did together and they they gavant gavant. I don't even know if gavant is a word, but gavant feels fitting for what KO and Jericho would do together and they uh whatever, they chit-chat. And then Kevin goes, "Chris, I brought you on here today because you told me that you had a new list that you wanted to share with all of us at this the biggest pay-per-view that the industry has ever seen. And Chris Jericho says, yeah, I'm glad you, I'm glad you asked about that list because I have a few people's name on the list. And he reads off 2.0, whatever their names are now. And Dante Martin, he reads off the Jericho Appreciation Society. He's like, I'd like to ask that everybody on this list 
come to the ring right now. And then here comes the Jericho Appreciation Society, all wearing white. They walk to the ring, and they're about to get in, and Jericho says, stop. Stop right there. I want you all to stand outside the ring. And you're probably wondering why. It's because I want you looking up. Part of being in the Jericho Appreciation Society is about learning. It's about looking up to people and looking up to examples that came before you. What I want you to do is look up. Look up to see what friendship is supposed to look like. And they're like, huh? They're kind of looking around like, oh, I didn't expect this going this way. And Jericho is basically telling them, look, guys, you need to be better partners. You, I want our relationship to be like the relationship that I've got with Kevin Owens. Jericho says, because I'm going to tell you something. I haven't spoken to this man in years. And yet, it's like we haven't missed a beat. We still remain the best of friends. And the Jericho Appreciation Society is kind of nodding and going like, yeah, I get it, I get it. And Jericho goes, this is why you're here, to learn from us. And Kevin Owens goes, that's right. I'm glad you see the same thing that I see, Chris. Some friendships are meant to last forever. And then Jericho says, that's right. Kevin, would you hold this list? And he hands Kevin the list and he goes, you bet, Chris. And he looks down and he goes, wait, why is my name on this list? And his face changes and you go, oh no, that's what Chris said at the Festival of Friendships. And Chris just goes, huh, that's weird. Get him, boys. And the Jericho Appreciation Society dives in the ring and there's a big beat down on Kevin Owens. The Jericho Appreciation Society beats down Kevin Owens. They tear apart the KO show and they stand above him as Judas is playing. And, Ke- and Jericho picks up the mic and he looks at Kevin Owens and he goes, you were never half the friend that any of these guys are. You should be embarrassed for yourself. And he throws a fireball in the face of Kevin Owens because he goes, you might have been able to trick Chris Jericho, but in case you haven't heard, Kevin, these days, I'm a wizard. And Judas play, and he leaves. The whole Jericho Appreciation Society leaves. And on their way out, a video package runs. There's a video package running for our next big match at the Ultimate Forbidden Door, WWE versus AEW. It's John Cena versus MJF. That's right. MJF has decided when he heard this was happening that this wasn't about AEW. He's not a team player for AEW. He could give two shits, he says. He says the S word. He could give two shits about AEW. But what he's got now is the opportunity to destroy legacies. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to dismantle the legacy of John Cena. And he gets personal. And he talks about Nikki Bella. And he talks about all the stuff that you should never talk about with John Cena. He talks about how lame the prototype was. He talks about, I mean, he makes references to John Cena doing sexual favors 
for members of the WWE office. Just terrible things. Terrible, terrible things that only MJF, a scumbag like that, would do. Meanwhile, John Cena says, you know the difference between me and you, Max? I got to where I got through hard work. I didn't have to shock anybody. I didn't have to destroy anybody's life. I didn't have to curse anybody out. I didn't have to throw a tantrum in the middle of the ring. I didn't have to no-show an autograph signing. In fact, I never no-showed an autograph signing. I never no-showed a show. And John Cena really puts over the fact that nothing in his life was handed to him and that nothing in his career has come to him because he because of his overly inflated expectations. John is the is the portrait of hard work paying off and cream rising to the top. And that is the story we get with John Cena and MJF. And it's just the it's there's just a perfect duality, you know? John Cena has 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 has, has come out of retirement, he's come out of Hollywood. It's a place where Max wants to be. Max, you're jealous. Max, this is everything you've ever wanted. You don't think I know? You were a little kid. And John Cena brings back the tape. You were a little kid on the Rosie O'Donnell show. All you wanted to do was be in show business. And what have I done? I've become 10 times the wrestler that you will ever be and created 10 times the career in Hollywood that you will ever have. You could have all these things, Max. You could have every single thing that I have because you are talented enough to get them. Max, and he keeps calling him Max. He never calls him MJF. He only calls him Max. He goes, Max, I'm going to let you in on something. You are just as talented as I am. Maybe more talented. You may have more natural ability than I ever had. But here's the difference between you and me. Every minute that you spend complaining about what you're not getting. Every minute that you spend talking about how great you are, every minute that you spend putting other people down is a minute that I'm working, is a minute that I'm training, is a minute that I am making myself better. That's the difference between you and me, MJF. While you are sitting there waiting for it to come to you and crying and kicking and screaming about it, I am building it. I am making it happen through hard work and perseverance. And we see this match, and that's exactly what it is. MJF, John Cena, John Cena, MJF, going back and forth. And, of course, John Cena lets uh, MJF have quite a bit of this one. Lots of MJF offense. In the end, John Cena does come out victoriously because, come on, he's John Cena for the love of God. John Cena does come out victoriously. And MJF gets up. And it's almost shades of of what we saw with uh, the Usos and the Bucks, with what we saw with Edge and Adam Cole. MJF gets up. And he says, give me the mic. Give me the fucking mic. And they give him the microphone. And he goes, John! John's like already out of the ring. He's walking halfway down the aisle. John. And John turns around over his shoulder. And he goes, John. I was wrong. And John looks at him like, huh. And he goes, John, I apologize. 
And John starts walking back into the ring. And he goes, Max, it was a pleasure. And he sticks out his hand to shake it. And, and MJF goes, I appreciate that, John. I was wrong. And he kicks him square in the nuts. Right in the nuts. And then he picks up his face. He picks him up by the hair. And he puts that ring on his finger and knocks him unconscious. And he goes, you suck even worse than I thought you did. The only thing I apologize for is wasting all these people's time watching your five moves of doom bullshit again. And he walks out of the ring. Oh, MJF, you scumbag. You can't even lose well. John Cena gets the victory. But God, God, do we hate MJF coming out of this. We go to the commentary table. Michael Cole, Pat McAfee, Excalibur, they kind of reflect on what we've just seen and set up what we've still got to see. In fact, they set up what's coming up next. It's a no-holes-barred eight-man tag, as Michael Cole puts it, a group that calls themselves the Blackpool Combat Club, two of which you fans may know is having different identities here in the WWE. Excalibur goes, that's right. John Moxley, Daniel Bryan, and Wheeler Utah are combining forces tonight with Eddie Kingston to go four-on-four against four of the best that have ever stepped foot in a WWE ring. And Pat McAfee says, you can say that again. Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, and RK Bro, Randy Orton, and Riddle. Oh, the humanity. Ding, ding, ding. The match begins, we see these entrances, and it really is something to behold. Eddie Kingston is trash-talking the whole way to the ring. Not on the mic, obviously, but into the camera. But we do see, we've now got Moxley, Brian, Lashley, McIntyre, Orton, Riddle, Kingston, Utah, all in the same match. And it's no holes barred. It starts off cut and dry. Everybody's going for the tags and everything. But it does end up being quite a brawl. Eddie Kingston is the one that takes it there. Eddie Kingston, you know, everybody's sitting there. It's four on four, and there's there's this going on and that going on. And and Randy Orton is uh, Riddle's in the ring, right? And he 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 and Wheeler Utah are going at it. We see this pair happening a lot. These are like the two young guys in the match, Riddle and and you and Wheeler. Um, but they're going at it. And Randy comes in and he does the the double team thing. They hit a double RKO or something like that. But there's two of them on Wheeler at the same time. And Eddie Kingston just, it's probably about five minutes, seven minutes into the match, six minutes, say, says, fuck this. And he gets in the ring with a weapon and just starts going after Randy. The referee goes, you need to tag or what? That's a, The referee is sitting there. Maybe it's Aubrey Edwards. She's working the show. Every, you know, there's AEW and WWE referees working the show tonight. They go, you need to tag. You need to get on the outside. Eddie Kingston goes, or what? Or what? Or what? And we kind of get, this is no holes barred, dude. There's no need for tags. And that's when that kind of goes away. Because as Eddie is attacking Randy Orton with a weapon, Bobby Lashley comes in and just powers. Just powers. Eddie Kingston off of Randy Orton. And that's when Moxley comes in like a house on fire and just throws his whole body at Bobby Lashley. And they start going. And McIntyre comes in. And Brian come in. And it's just... Four on four, all eight men, all humanity, just going, 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 going. 
eventually, it's Brian Danielson that gets, I'm going to say, let's make it count, that gets Randy Orton in that LaBelle lock. Brian Danielson taps out Randy Orton in this thing. Because I, I wanted to make an impact. You know, we, we've given we've given Cena the victory over MJF. We've given Charlotte the victory. We've given Edge the victory. Let's go now. We had Jericho come out, you know, looking real strong in the KO show. MJF did look strong in the Cena match, but Cena did win. So this time we're giving the uh, uh, combat, Blackpool Combat Club and Eddie Kingston a real, real strong victory by having Randy Orton tap out to Brian Danielson. That's a big deal. As we're trying to clear the carnage from ringside, we go backstage. This is segment 10 we're in now. Backstage, Sami Zayn is walking around complaining he's a conspiracy victim. This is not a straight interview with Tony Schiavone. It's just the cameras following him as he's walking. Like, this is ridiculous. That guy wasn't even a superstar. He wasn't even a wrestler. He had sunglasses on the whole time. He had hands in his pockets. He was wearing a denim jacket, for God's sake. Who wrestles in jeans? It just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. He goes, what else am I going to see from these people? And he walks headfirst into a chest and we pan up and he sees Luchasaurus. And he goes, what are you? And Luchasaurus just looks at him and he goes, I'm Luchasaurus. I'm a dinosaur. Sami Zayn goes, okay, all right, nope. No problem. I'll just walk away slowly. Oh, and they see him walking away just like, what am I going to do with myself tonight? That's when we go to the ring for our next match. Segment 11. We see the graphic come up. Let's go. We're starting the thing. We hear the horses. Nay. Hangman Adam Page comes to the ring for his match against Seth freaking Rollins. Adam Page, Seth Rollins, one-on-one, straight up, you know, I mean, this is, while it hasn't been framed this way, this is clearly the match between two guys who both feel like they should be on top of their companies. Both have an argument as to why they should be on top of their companies, but for whatever reason, are not on top of their companies. This is the show stealer match. This is the wrestling fans match. So this one didn't take a ton of promos to get here. Didn't take a ton of stories to get here. This is about, you know, who is really the best in the locker room that these companies have to offer. It's a very evenly paced match. Seth Rollins tries a lot of dirty tricks. Hangman Page keeps it clean. And eventually that works out for Hangman Page as he is able to defeat Seth Rollins. But, you know, you're talking a good 20-minute match. This is a this is a solid back and forth. This couple of near falls, not a ton of near falls because we're going to see more near falls in our next match. Again, we go back to the commentary table. They reset a little bit and we get right into our next match. No more backstage shenanigans because we are, we are, we, this is our, our double main event starts now. Segment 12 is, what do we, how many matches? I have one, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight. Yeah, nine matches plus the KO show. That's the way. I was going to do 10 matches. I added the KO show. Nine matches. This is our eighth. 
of nine matches. Cody Rhodes versus Kenny Omega. This is who is the guy? Who's the best? Who made the right decision? Kenny Omega looks at, at Cody Rhodes as somebody who went for the went for the check, who 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 while well, he sold Kenny and his friends a bill of goods. He he made he made believers out of the Bucks, out of Omega. He says, Cody, when you left WWE, we took you with us. We brought you in. Somehow you took over our group. And when it was convenient for you, you split and left us to fend for ourselves. Well, let me tell you something right now. There's more valor in the integrity of sticking with what you started than going with the easy paycheck. And that's when Cody goes, Kenny, I hate to tell you this. You couldn't be more wrong. This had nothing to do with a paycheck. You know as well as I do. I left an executive position in your company. Not to get a paycheck. But to go forward with my father's legacy. To be that WWE champion. You and I both know I had unfinished business here. And that's what I'm back to do. And Kenny Omega says, well, I'll tell you what. It's going to be real difficult for you to finish that business. It's going to be real difficult for you to try to prove to these fans that you're the best that WWE has to offer when in front of their faces, I beat you. Because this is what I'm going to do, Cody. If you're going to march around here like you're the best WWE has to offer, I'm going to make sure that everybody knows that right over on the other channel, there's somebody better than the best the WWE has to offer. I'm going to beat you, Cody. I'm going to spoil your legacy. That's what it's all about. Now, there's no video package, but that these are the, the, the this is the story that has led us to this match. So Cody versus Kenny, this is a this is a solid, you know. You're talking 35 40 minutes. This is probably a 40 minute or uh lots of near falls. Um you know, it, it, it's, it starts very methodically. When you're thinking about the Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 of this match, the Act 1 is a very methodical pace. You know, people, both, both superstars are being very deliberate in their mannerisms, clearly going after specific things. Act 2 is where the action really starts. Act 2 is a very, very fast pace. Act 2, Act 2, Act 2. Act 2 is where the near, fall, near falls start to come in, start to come in. Act 3 is all desperation. Act three is two guys just trying to end this thing because they can't put the other one down. And by the time you finish act three, it is Cody that's able to put Kenny Omega down. On this night, Cody was able to defeat Kenny Omega. And they end with a handshake. And Kenny Omega holds up Cody's arm and points to him. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. They hug and they cry together and we realize that these two have been through more together than than most of us can ever relate to another human being. We now set up for the main event of the show. The match that we've been waiting for. Who is the needle mover? Champion versus champion. 
Roman Reigns versus CM Punk. Now, there's a lot of meat on this bone with Roman and Punk. Not only is this about who is the top person in the industry, who is the top champion, but it's also about the resentment that Punk has for Roman, right? Let's not forget the the Colt Cabana podcast, make Roman look strong, make Roman look strong. Like, like, like Roman represents everything that CM Punk was fighting against when he was in WWE. And Roman resents Punk because Punk doesn't treat him seriously. You know? At one point, Punk says, you got a shirt that says needle mover. The only thing you are is a needle dick. Everybody goes, oh, and Roman gets mad. And they, here we go. The match begins. CM Punk comes out first. Cult of personality is just raging through the ultimate stadium because best believe this is an ultimate stadium show. And then here comes the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. And you get this wonderful moment as Roman Reigns enters the ring. And Paul Heyman is on the outside holding both the WWE Championship and the Universal Championship. And Punk is looking right at Heyman. And Heyman is looking at Punk. And he's smiling and he's shaking his head. And he's got this satisfied look on his face. Like, Punk, this is what, this is what the look says. Punk, I know you. I know who you are. You're not going to win this match. The look says, I have never been more secure with my choice to represent Roman Reigns instead of you. And that's a powerful, powerful look. We get Punk versus Reigns. Bell rings, Reigns hits him with a spear right away. (laughs) They laugh. He waits till Punk gets up again, hits him with another spear. This time goes over for the cover very casually. One, two, kick out. What? What? Paul Heyman is confused. What? Well, I didn't see that coming. Okay. Roman Reigns goes, get up, get up. And he starts messing with his wrist. Punk gets up. Roman hits him with the Superman punch. Now Paul Heyman is shaking his head and smiling. Now we've got it. Roman goes over to Punk. One, two, kick out again. What? Roman's like, all right, he's going to get hit with it again. Roman goes up for the Superman punch. This time, CM Punk catches him with a high knee while Roman is in midair. Roman goes down after the knee. Punk dies over him, hooks the leg. One, two, kick out at the very last moment. Paul Heyman cannot believe how close that was. And now this match begins. Now Punk's getting in some offense. Punk is getting in those boots. Roman has underestimated CM Punk. Punk is fighting with all the fury that he's had for all these years. And he's going after him. Punk is there to not just beat Roman Reigns, but to finally prove that what he's been saying for the last decade has been true the entire time. He is the top guy. He's the needle mover. He's the best in the world. One, two, kick out. No, boom, gets him up on the shoulders. There it is, GTS. Roman goes down. One, two, three, no, 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 no. Roman kicks out. People can't believe it. They're going back and forth. They're going back and forth. Referee goes down. Roman grabs the title, goes to hit Punk. Punk ducks, back body drop, title goes flying. Referee is back up in the air. He wasn't able to take advantage of the referee being down. 
Punk's laughing. <laughs> I got you. He's doing that judo thing with his wrist. While he's doing the judo thing with his wrist, Roman comes in, spears CM Punk. Punk goes down. Punk gets right back up to his feet, and then boom! Superman punch. Roman goes for the cover. One, two, three. Roman Reigns defeats CM Punk. And at the end of the ultimate forbidden door, Roman stands victoriously, still champion of this world of sports entertainment. So my card was Sami Zayn versus Orange Cassidy on the pre-show, Young Bucks versus Usos, Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa versus Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair, Edge versus Adam Cole, Charlotte versus Jade Cargill, Jericho on the Kevin Owens show, Cena versus MJF, Eddie Kingston in the BCC versus Lashley Drew and RK Bro, no holes barred, Rollins versus Hangman, Cody versus Kenny, Punk versus Roman Reigns, Usos, Reigns, Cody, Cena, Charlotte Edge for WWE, Britt Baker, Orange Cassidy, uh, Eddie Kingston, BCC, Hangman Page, and I guess you could say Jericho for AEW. And that's uh, that's the way I would book the ultimate forbidden door WWE versus AEW. Before we go, let's hit some of these emails. If you want to contribute to the show, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. The email address, notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, we still have some more emails pouring in. Uh, coming from uh, episode 400, which aired last week. If you missed that, if you, the last two episodes, uh, definitely check them out. Two weeks ago on 399, it was the uh, Is John Cena the Goat uh, of Wrestling of All Time? Uh, that was a really fun uh, conversation to have here on the podcast. And then last week, episode 400, Monumental, and uh, the big 10-page essay on uh, Vince McMahon and stepping down from CEO um, check that out if you've missed it. Um, Thomas wrote in to notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Uh, I discovered Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast when you appeared on the Stone Cold Podcast. I assume like many others did and have been a shill ever since. Appreciate that. I was immediately hooked and caught up with those first 32 episodes within a week. That's awesome. One night I was watching Lonely Friday over at youtube.com slash notsam with my then three-year-old daughter and she asked who I was watching. I answered my buddy Sam. She is now five, and every time she sees your face or hears your voice, she asks, hey, Dad, is that your buddy Sam? I reply, yes. Thank you, Sammy. That's beautiful. That is absolutely beautiful. I am your buddy, dude. That's amazing. I love to hear that. Uh, Matt, hi, Sam. Forgot to send this last week, but listening to this week's pod, I hope these memories bring a smile. My favorite moments so far, the live Brock Lesnar interview and What's the Haps. Maybe the best wrestling interview I've ever done. Maybe the best interview in general I've ever done. You can find it on YouTube. YouTube. 1A, when you had Finn Balor and Daniel Bryan on a few months later and they both grumbled, uh, what do you mean, what's the haps? To see two of the best performers in the industry and know they saw your bit and enjoyed it. Uh, have them rib you about it. Can't think of anything cooler than that. I, I, I did love that that... that traveled the circles that was that was a lot of fun that was definitely the peak what's the haps moment uh two 
Matt Hardy doing the whole show in character's Broken Matt the summer of Final Deletion. That was awesome and sparked me to start uh, taking in some non-WWE wrestling. Yeah, go back. I mean, this was uh, within a couple of weeks of, of him doing, uh, first doing the Broken Matt character. He did the whole podcast as Broken Matt. That was a blast. Uh, and number three, Linen Doll, miss her. My favorite of her bits was the Nikki Bella championship thing and singing the old Nia Jax entrance. Here's to 400 more. You do a great job. Thank you very much, Matt. Awesome to hear from you. Um, this is uh, from uh, Reek. Uh, longtime listener, first time emailing the show. Congratulations on 400 episodes. Um, started off watching your interviews on YouTube to listening every week. I have two questions. That's awesome. Can you do a comparison on Cody Rhodes and AJ Styles coming into WWE? I think the way they were presented coming into WWE was the same. The huge presentation and being who they were outside of the company. Do you think AJ was the blueprint for Cody? I think AJ opened the door in a lot of ways for people to come in. Because when you think about it, like AJ came in as AJ Styles. They did not WWE a fight. They didn't change his name. They didn't change his gimmick. They didn't change his look. Nothing. So I think there was something to that. I think that it proved that there was an awareness that WWE fans had of of wrestling outside of WWE. But uh, I, I think Cody was bigger because he was coming from an American promotion, AEW. Um, he was the star over there and also was a former WWE superstar. Uh, and number two, can we get a prediction on the women's Money in the Bank match? Who do you think will win and why and who they cash in on? Um, all right. Well, so far, and by the way, we'll probably do, uh, I guess on Patreon, we'll do a big, uh, money in the bank, uh, uh, preview show, but okay. So I guess we got one, two, three, four, five, six in the money in the bank ladder match. Uh, Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss, Raquel, uh, Rodriguez. It's not guns. Raquel Rodriguez. Yeah. Uh, Lacey Evans, Asuka, and Shotzi. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Lacey Evans uh, wins this thing. I think that they've been looking for something for her to do. I think that I, I could see Lacey Evans uh, winning it this time. Uh, and then I think I could see Lacey and Ronda starting something. I think Lacey would try to cash in on, on Ronda Rousey, and that's how they get Lacey versus Ronda going. Um... Thanks, buddy. Uh, let's see. Uh, D'Angelo. Hey, Sam. My name's D'Angelo, uh, and I've been a longtime listener and a longtime shill under the handle Big Daubry. Oh, all right. What's up, dude? I wanted to know how you feel about this character change proposal. How would you f how would you all feel about Luchasaurus rebranding himself so he can be a more serious character? I think he could be an actual threat and win titles if he became like the Spider-Man villain Craven. I love that. I envision him cutting a promo, renouncing his identity of a dinosaur to being the deadliest hunter. I want him to keep the dinosaur as part of the gimmick, but have him wear them like snakeskin boots or fur coat. Thoughts? Um, the only problem with that is that it would be really difficult to go back. Should it not work or if it was just time to go back? I don't mind the Luchasaurus thing. Uh, I do, I especially with what happened with Christian on Dynamite, um, I would... I would have Luchasaurus turn heel. I would not go through a whole gimmick change, but I would probably just not pretend that he's a dinosaur. 
You know what I mean? I, it would just be Luchasaurus. We wouldn't acknowledge, hey, by the way, he's not a dinosaur anymore. It just, it, we wouldn't bring it up as much. Um, have him be like just a, a monstrous heel for a while and then eventually realize that Christian was leading him astray and go back with Jungle Boy. Because I think the idea, I think his biggest value is probably uh, being Jungle Boy's second and getting Jungle Boy to a place where where he's as high up the card as he can possibly go. Uh, Dylan, I recently saw Gunther with Ludwig Kaiser at a house show just after the Intercontinental title win. They were the highlight of the show for me. Would love to hear the old music come back one day. Maybe an orchestra at WrestleMania for a major title. What are your thoughts on the future of the act? Could we see Gunther as an opponent for an upper card riddle or a champion Cody Rhodes? Um, theoretically, you know, I think, uh, I think Gunther gets more and more popular every single week. I think there's just something relatable and it's, it's just, you just click with it immediately. You just get the character. And I think it's really, really good. Um, you know, I, 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 at, yeah, I, I, I see him as a potential main event guy, but I, I'd like for him, his intercontinental title run to be very, very long. And Ludwig Kaiser is like, you know, the former Marcel Barteau, I think. Like, I, I, I think I pointed this out when I interviewed him at WrestleMania. He is so much more charismatic than I realized. He's just, he's essential to that act. So, yeah, I'm very, very high on that act. I feel like they catch more and more steam every single week they're on TV and everywhere that I go really when I'm having conversations about wrestling with people somebody inevitably brings up Gunther and how great he is if you've got any uh, thoughts email me notsamwrestling at gmail.com if you've got any opinions on, on what I did with my Forbidden Door WWE versus AEW show send those opinions over to notsamwrestling at gmail.com we'll talk about them next week right here I'm not Sam Wrestling. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.